Good morning, church family. Can you hear me okay? Am I coming through? No? Okay. Well, I'll just keep talking until our awesome sound techs will figure it out, I hope. All right, so as I look out here, I think, wow, you guys are a good-looking group. Do you feel good-looking? You should. You, you look good-looking. Uh, so as you can tell, oh, there's, there I, now I'm starting to hear my voice in my head. Steve never, Steve has taught me a lot about being up here and preaching the word and what it means to preach the word, but what he didn't prepare me for is I don't like the fact I can hear my voice in my ears. It drives me insane. So, and, you guys, and some of you guys know that I'm almost deaf anyway, so it's almost like I get a millisecond repeat here. So when I say something, then I hear it. It's really freaky. So has nothing to do with my message, but now you know how insane your pastor is. <clears throat> so you guys, uh, I have been wrestling with our topic today for quite some time, and I hope some of you guys are, actually I hope most of you guys are wrestling with this same thing, right? Holy. What does it mean to be holy? I've got a real quick exercise here that I want to share with you guys. I want everybody to close your eyes right now. I'm going to repeat some verses here about holiness or about what God expects us what God says about holiness. And I want you just to close your eyes, and as your eyes are closed, just think about these verses and think what they mean to you, and the first thing that pops into your mind, hold that. Okay? 1 Peter 1, 15-16. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus eleven forty five forty four 44-45. For I am the Lord your God, consecrate yourselves therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. For I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Leviticus 19.2 Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for the Lord God, for the Lord your God am holy. Leviticus 27 Consecrate yourselves therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Revelation 22.11 let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. All right, so open your eyes. What pictures do you guys have? How many of you guys went Southern Baptist? There's, old, there's a preacher up there waving his hand, shaking his hand, saying, don't do this and do this and be right, right? Anybody here? Okay. Good, because I'm not that guy. I asked two kids, two of my high school kids, actually I asked my, my son, who's an adult, Thank goodness. Woohoo. And I asked another one of our youth group kids, youth leadership kids, Josh Ziegler, we'll call him out there. What do you mean what do you see when I say these verses? Or what do you say when I say be holy? And what came out was surprising. I thought what I was going to get was be good, don't do don't be sinful, don't do this, don't don't look at this, don't, you know. I didn't get that. I got something really interesting. I heard baptism. I heard uh, helping the poor confessing your sins, um, reading the Bible, pray without ceasing, which was pretty cool. That's what I was hoping to hear, you know. Um, how many of you guys, those things popped in your minds? How many of you guys thought, well, I got to be good. I got to not drink and not smoke and not look at pornography. I got to be good to my wife. I, and all these things are good things, right? Right? I hope. This is yes. This is, okay, well. For many American evangelicals, I, I, evangelicals, I looked up this online. I thought, you know, 
the internet's truthful, I'll just look up what the internet says. <laughs> what, what's holy? And it surprised me, this, this paper came online. Uh, look it up, and the first thing that hits Google, uh, read that. It's actually pretty good. But this pastor, he, he wrote this basic sermon, but uh, he says that many Americans conjure up holiness. They think of gospel trials, revival meetings, uh, old-time religion, stern prohibitions, prohibitions against drinking, dancing, playing cards. Uh, and then he says, when holiness is discussed at church at all, it's often uh, committed to uh, associated with moral behavior, sexual activity, purity, financial honesty, commitment to private prayer. And again, these things are good things, right? But I would tell you guys, um, in our society today, the evangelical Christian doesn't look too far from the non-evangelical Christian, right? We are getting our, our the, I say we are, so evangelicals or Christians, Bible-believing Christians, Jesus Christ, uh, they divorce just as much as not, right? Uh, most Christians don't go to church anymore. Most Christians say, I'll just stay home and I'll, I'll be private with God, right? And, and again, I'm not downing on anybody. You want to believe the way you want to believe, you go ahead and believe that. But, but the truth of the matter is, we've turned loving Jesus Christ into this be good, don't do that, and don't do that. Right, very much the same way the children of Israel did with the law. Because I think we've lost the translation, the definition of what holy is. Whatever your mind said holy was, I'll bet you it's going to be a little bit different than what I've got written in the rest of this sermon. Okay, Because the word, the Hebrew word, uh, kadash, and I did this for Jim, but Jim's not here, and I'm praying, is he okay, Leanne? Okay, we'll, we'll keep in our prayers. Uh, kadash means to be set apart, right? The Greek word holy, hagios, one of the words used in the New, New, uh, New Testament, one of the three words, hagios, which is used the most, means to be set apart or to sanctify or to consecrate, right? So there's a, when we say be holy, we're saying we're going to be set apart. Well, the question that pops in your, into my mind anyway, I don't know about you guys, is, well, what are we being set apart for? Why, why what, 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 are we, what are we being, what are we being set apart for, and what are we being set apart from, right? And the answer is, obviously, hopefully you guys are going, oh, I know this, this is easy, Jesus Christ. That's what we're being set apart for, is Jesus Christ. Well, why? I want to read a few verses here, Galatians 2.20. So, when you believe in Jesus Christ... Paul writes this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? So, if Jesus Christ, if, I, if Jesus Christ died for me and gave himself for me, and when I accept that, I now have Jesus living inside me, should I be holy? Should I be set apart from something? And the answer, obviously, is yes. But what? And, and I'm not going to give that away just yet. Colossians 3.3 says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Notice both these verses. You're, you're dead. To what? You're set apart. There's something happened 
when you accept Christ, when we accept Christ, there's something that should happen, and that's a death. But a death of what? If God's saying, Matthew 5.48, be holy, for the Lord God is holy, your Father in heaven is holy, then the answer is, you are dead to whatever doesn't make you holy. You are dead to the sin, the sin debt that you owed because of being human being. You are dead, you should be dead, to that sin nature. Ephesians 2.6 says, And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All three of these things say Christ has separated us, has raised us, has moved us, has something, right? Set us apart, has done something for us. And I'll tell you guys, I th- what, what I've been researching, and I've been, I've been looking at this for a long time, but this week I've been really looking at this. I've been, I've been like, what does this mean to be holy, right? I asked my wife last night, was it, what makes God holy? Why is he holy? It says it in the Bible all over the place, right? God is holy. Matter of fact, I just wrote off four scriptures that said God is holy. Be holy because God is holy. Well, what makes God holy? And my wife looked at me like I had a third head. <laughs> She's like, and then I think she, she actually scooted over to the truck a little bit because she didn't want to be struck. And I think asking those questions are important because here's the thing, guys. I, we're asking ourselves, Christianity, we're saying that we're going to follow Jesus Christ, who was a human being, by the way, Right? And we're going to listen to his word, and we're going to follow his word. Why? What makes him holy? What makes God so holy? Why should I, as a human being, follow him? And that's an honest question. I think God's saying that's an honest question. And it's not about giving up things. It's not about doing the right thing. I mean, it is. That's, that's important stuff. But the first thing it's about is a relationship. That's first and foremost. And when I say, I believe Jesus Christ loves me, I believe Jesus Christ died for me, I believe Jesus Christ was buried and rose again on the third day, and I believe that by the power of God, and I believe in my heart that he is seated at the right hand of the Father right now waiting for me, according to Romans 10, 9, I am saved. True, Pastor? Amen, right? But here's the thing. I got to believe he's holy. That doesn't negate anything God's done. That doesn't cheapen anything. He doesn't need me to have faith in him. But in order for me to start that that deal, I should have a little faith. Here's the cool thing. God gives me that faith. God shows me that he's holy. God shows me that he's set apart. That he is the author of holiness. That he is the perfect center of a target of holiness. Right? Right? Am I speaking the non-truth? Yeah, right? That's what started blowing me away is, is God simply wants me to say and mean it, I love you. I want to be with you, Lord. I want my life to be intertwined into your life so that no one can recognize me anymore. That's what I want. And what you're seeing right now, you guys, is 20 years of that. 
and I am still recognizable. So guess what I'm going to do? <laughs> How many people are still recognizable, unfortunately? Yeah, we're working on it, right? But see, it's that relationship. I want, to think, I want you guys to take a, just a step, step here and think about a relation, the relationships we have here on earth, right? First, with your friends. Simple relationships. People you know, acquaintances, right? You interact with them at work. You, you talk to them at the water cooler. You have lunch with them. Yeah, whatever. You invite them over for dinner. They invite you over for dinner. Nice relationships, right? Why? Why do we seek that relationship? Why do we even bother? I live alone in the year. I'm sorry. I live with my beautiful bride, soon to be really alone, the two of us, yeah, in the, in the woods in the year. But I still ask some of you guys to truck out and come see us. And some of you are going, yeah, we're not coming out no more. It's too far. But why? Why do we crave that? Why do we want that relationship, right? Think about your spouse, your marriage. How do you act with your wife or your husband? Is it different than with your friends, right? But it's a relationship. There's certain things that you do. You do certain things for your bride, for your neighbor, for your friend, and they do certain things for you, right? Why? Love is the answer. There's some form of love going on there. And here is the same thing. These are the, Your relationship with your bride, with your friends, with your mom, with your dad, should be a picture of your relationship possible with Jesus Christ, with, with God himself, right? It's love. How do we know God loved us? Well, John 3.16 says what? So God, for God so loved the earth that he gave his only son... So whoever believes in him shall not perish. He gives us everlasting life just simply believing in his son. That's love, you guys. His son was crucified on that cross and, and hung there. And I heard a, I've heard pastor over pastor say this, and I believe it. Hung there because of the nail, not because of the nails, but because of love. Because at any moment, if God, if Jesus Christ was truly the son of, is truly the son of God, then do you think he could have called a million angels out? out of heavens and released all that stuff and caused fire to come down like something? Yeah, of course. He's, he's God, right? Why didn't he? Because he knew that John Doyle needed him to stay there. He knew that John Doyle couldn't do what he could do, and John Doyle didn't even know that he, he needed to do it. But Jesus did it before John Doyle even existed, thousands of years before John Doyle existed, because he loves John Doyle. The Bible says he knows every hair in my head. They're getting a lot thinner than they used to be. The Bible says that he loves me so much more than his creation, and he called his creation very good. But he loves me more than all that. And guess what? Should I become prideful and say, I'm John Doyle, the guy that God loves? No, God loves all of us the same way. It's over, if we take everybody who was born from Adam to today, over 11 billion people. Does that surprise you? There are 7 billion people walking this earth, and from that 1900 back to Adam, there's only been 3 billion people or so, 4 billion plus or minus. I mean, obviously, we're guessing here. We don't know for sure, but that should blow you away a little bit. But God has the capacity to love all those people. And in one afternoon, he showed that love forever. There are some people that say that didn't happen. Some people say that Jesus was just a man. There's some people that whatever, right? And that's okay. God still loves those guys and gals. 
There's some people that don't think like me. And they drive me nuts when I see them on the TV. It's like, oh, stop saying that. You're an idiot. But God loves them too. <laughs> we were set apart for a relationship with God, you guys. But we have to, we have to believe. That's, that's the first and foremost. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself it is a free gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Right? So God established the grace, and we have to believe. We have to believe He's God. We have to believe that He's holy. We have to believe those things that He did, for sure, for real. But we still have to believe in that. And if we don't believe in that, what happens? Well, it still doesn't make, the the action still happened. But now we're hollow inside. We're not answering the call of being with Jesus Christ. What if we say, well, there's something we've got to do. Okay, because the finish of that verse, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, uh, this kind of blew my mind a little bit. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Some people have a conniption fit about that. Well, it's grace first. Yes, absolutely grace first. But there's works to be involved. What, what kind of works? What am I doing? I'm already working. I, got work, I work nine to five. I work eight hours. And then I work my lunch hour. And What do I have to do? You don't have to do anything. But let me answer this question. You guys, any of you he-men made breakfast for your wife on a Saturday morning? Any of you he-men gone out of your way to treat your wife like the special queen that she is? Huh, baby? Any of you women done something special for your man because you know that he just wants it? He likes that done, right? Well, does that mean your marriage is works-based? No, it means you love that person, and that love manifests itself in stuff, right? Every time I go to work, and I work with Dave over there. Hi, Dave. I called you out. Sorry. Every time I go to work, I think, why am I putting up with this post office? (laughs) I like to eat. No, I like providing for my wife. I enjoy that. I enjoy the fact that I get to provide for my wife. And I actually like the guys, like people I work with at the post office. Next time you guys go to the post office, say hi to them. They're good people. Right? It's love, you guys. And the works that we have, don't lose your mind over it. God's going to bring to you, and he's, gonna, he's already got them prepared. They're going to happen. No big deal. And when you see them, you're going to do them and go, man, I'm loving God because of this. Right? First uh, Peter... 113 says, therefore, prepare your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace. There's that word again. There's that grace. That's what Jesus has done for us. Right. But notice what he's asking us to do. Prepare ourselves for action. What kind of action? Those works we talked about. Set your mind. Be sober minded. Be uncluttered. Right. Focus on what? The grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, I love this. As obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance. But, but as he called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. 
lot of holiness right there, right? Notice what he's asking. He's saying, prepare yourself. How many of you guys go to work, and before you work, you grab a, a shot of whiskey and down that shot of whiskey, and then you go to work? Holly's <laughs> like, what in the world? <laughs> why, why don't you? Because you've got to be sober-minded, right? How many of you guys, before you're going to do a hard task, you, you read a dime store novel, trashy dime store novel, we'll go ahead and say that. It'll make it really bad, right? No, because you don't want to be thinking about that. You want to be thinking about what the task is at hand, right? So God's no different. He's saying, focus on grace. Sober your mind. Clear yourself and get ready. And as you're focusing on the love of God, the grace, by the way, does anybody know the official definition of grace? Unearned, unmerited favor from the Lord, from the creator of heaven. So as you're focusing on that unearned, unmerited favor that he's given you, that everlasting life, John 3.16 says, talks about, right? What should you be doing? You should be cleaning your act up a little bit, right? So, I was looking at my movie collection the other day. Yeah, yeah, some of you guys are cringing, right? Here's what my beautiful bride and I did to ourselves a few weeks ago. We invited the Canes to our house, had a wonderful dinner with them. The kids were playing. They were enjoying the, the outdoors, enjoying, just totally enjoying Brad and Shiloh's uh, fellowship. And then we said, hey, you guys don't have many movies. There's a DVD player in your house. Go ahead and look at our DVD collection, what you think, right? We just invited <laughs> Workers for Christ to look at what we have. You guys, I'm not, pr- I'm, I'm a little ashamed to admit, I've, I've got some movies I probably shouldn't have. You know, I've got some movies that aren't profitable, let's say, to, to view. A few four-letter words and a lot of blood and that sort of stuff. I'm not proud of that. But as I was going through this, I thought, well, let me look at that collection. Ooh, <laughs> this one probably has to go. But why am I even looking at that collection? Because of love. Because I, leave, I love Jesus Christ, and I want to listen to his word. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, being sober-minded, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, right? In all your conduct, since it is written, one of the versions says, put away your passions. Put away those things. You know what God understands about us that I didn't even realize he understood about us? You know why, we, it, you know why God said, doesn't say, just get rid of it all? Because we can't. Why can't we? Because we're sinful people Saved by grace. We still have that thumbprint of sin on us, even though our debt's free, but we're still tempted by it. And so God, knowing that, doesn't say get rid of it, otherwise you're condemned. He just says, set it away. Put it, put it away. In other words, it's a choice, and we get to make that choice. And guess what happens when we fail, Paul? You go to hell, right? right. No. There's grace. There's grace. Because God knows it's hard for us to be holy. He calls us to be holy, but he understands that it's hard for us to be holy. And he gives us that grace so that we can make a mistake as we're struggling. But here's what he wants. He wants you to struggle. Struggle with it. Absolutely. And when you fail, there's grace. And when you don't fail, there's love. And how can I boast about that? Everybody go to John 14. I love this picture. I love this. John 14. We're going to go to John 14, 15. 
and then John 14, 21, and then John 14, 23. And I've stumbled across this in preparing for this message, and, and I've read it a bunch of times. As a matter of fact, I preached on it to the kids in youth group a few, last year, and I didn't get this before, right? So as we're struggling to keep these commandments or whatever we think we need to keep, or as we're struggling with this relationship and we're focusing on grace and we're being sober-minded and we're putting away this stuff, here's what Jesus says. This is Jesus' words, guys. If you've got a red-letter Bible, it's in red. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. How, does God, how do we know that God loves us? Well, we've already covered that. How do we know that, he lo- that we love him? We're going to keep his commandments. But this is the New Testament, you guys. Wait a minute, what commandments? What commandments? The 10? The 613? Which ones, right? But if we keep them, and I'll answer that in a second. If we keep them, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that will abide in you, with you forever. God's going to give you something if you keep his commandments. And God's going to know that you love him when you keep his commandments. John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Notice what just happened. God, Jesus, said the same thing, but he tweaked it a little bit. Now, the Father's going to love us. And Jesus is going to manifest himself to us. If we do what? If we love him and keep his commandments. Notice that the, the, the flair hasn't changed. Grace first, and then do. Love, and then do something, right? John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my words. Something just drastically changed. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Let me get this straight, you guys. Jesus Christ loves us. Jesus Christ gave us grace. He gave us the faith to accept the grace. Jesus Christ died for us. The Father in heaven gave his only begotten Son. And now if we love Jesus and we show him that love by keeping something, some commandment, some kind of word, that's what the Bible's saying right now, then he's going to be inside us. They will be inside us. Who's they? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, Holy Spirit, absolutely, right? It seems a little one side of this relationship, doesn't it? And it looks like God's given all, doesn't it? And what he's asking us to do is become holy. Be holy, for the Lord God is holy. Set yourself apart. So how do we do that? What commandments? I... You guys know my story a little bit. I, Romans 12 is a special book for me because when I first started walking with Jesus Christ, when I to- totally accepted Christ as my Savior, my, my wife's grandfather, Leo Cook, who uh, is passed away now, but he was a, a pastor in Calvary Chapel Smoke Ranch, he sat me down for, a, and I'm not kidding you guys, for an entire year. Every week we met on Tuesdays. After work, I'd drive to his house, and for an entire year we studied the Bible. In particular, one chapter of one book in the Bible for an entire year. One chapter, there was a line, there was one verse we didn't get off for almost eight weeks. One verse. And there was nothing new that he, he did not repeat himself. There was something new every time we would look at this verse, right? It was Romans 12. I know Romans 12 pretty good, right? 
Well, the first nine verses, because really, that was the first year. After that, it all got kind of numb. Just kidding. Love Romans. So everybody go to Romans 12. We're going to sit there for a minute. Because as I was reading, as I was preparing, I was thinking, what commandments, God? Because I've, I've actually been asking the Lord, what does he mean by commandments, you know? And, and I, you guys have heard me say this, love God, love others, and make disciples. Those are pretty big commandments, right? Love God with all your what? Heart, soul, strength, mind. That's a pretty good commandment. And that's something that we can camp out on for a few years. Absolutely, right? But how? How do we do all that? So Romans 12 answers this. Verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Here, here we go again. By the mercies of God. God's doing something for us. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, set apart, and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This version says spiritual worship. The New King James says reasonable service. Interesting, isn't it? And how do we do that? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That is, by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and, a per- and perfect. And so what God's telling you, he just told us how to become holy. Don't conform, just like Peter said, don't conform to this world. Throw off the things that are not of God. Set yourself apart, right? But first and foremost, by the mercies of God, have a relationship with me. Have the relationship first. Love God first, because he first loved, and then the rest falls into place. And you renew your mind. Well, how do you guys think we should renew our mind? Probably, and now, now, now the pastor in me kicks in, read your Bible, pray, don't look at garbage, right? The stuff that goes in your eyeballs goes right to your heart. All that stuff that we learned in Sunday school, that's still true. But what's first? Love. A relationship with Jesus Christ. And the rest happens. Again, I want you guys to see Christ, not me, when you look at me. And I want that relationship to be so jumbled that that's all you see. That's my desire. My heart's desire is that. And so slowly over time and through the word of God, which Jesus says, keep the word of God, keep my word, and I know you love me. Slowly over time, he will do that. He will do that. I am not the same creature 20 years ago. None of us should be if we've been in Christ that long, right? I'm not the same creature four years ago. I'm not boasting. I'm, ter- I'm, I'm, I'm very upset about this in myself, and I'm kind of ashamed. But there was five years ago I said that I didn't like God's people, but I loved God. And then I, were, I read his word when it said, if you lo- don't love my people, you don't love me. And I went, oh, oh. And so do you think I cave up at that point and said, yeah, this is worthless? No, I'm like, oh, how do I feel? I love God. How do you love his people? By the way, you guys aren't easy to love. Just saying. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Amen, my brother. Amen. And so if we go back into Romans 12, verse 9. I started to unpack these. Think of, I, want you, I want to focus your guys' attention on this. Think of these as commandments real quick. Okay? Jesus says, keep my commandments. Think of these as some of the commandments. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. 
Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, I love this, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. What would this world look like if we did that? <laughs> I mean, we consistently do. It, what, what would this wor- world look like if we did number one? Let love be genuine. You guys, I can honestly say, as I was thinking about this today and coming to church today, I wanted to do right by God because this is his word and he is holy and I better do the best I can do. But I was thinking about each one of you. Man, I don't want to screw this up for these guys. I love these guys. And the moment I said that, I thought, ooh, I really do. I'm not making, no one was here to hear that, so it's not, I'm obviously not puffed up. No, I love you guys. And I love those guys that aren't here. And I love my brothers in other churches and my sisters in other churches. And I love, I love human beings because God loves human beings and he showed me why you're worth the love that you're worth. And all we got to do is set, us, set ourselves apart. But more than that, you guys, we just got to start loving God. And the rest will follow because God already loves us. He's done everything for us. Let's take advantage of it. We've got... Carmelin, who served Christ at, at camp. What, family up there, right, Carmelin? Right? We've got Stacy who's going to go to camp. She's going to meet some family. We've got... Here yesterday, I had a spaghetti dinner with folks from Spokane, and I knew them already. I knew them because of God, because they came here to show up for God so they could put shoeboxes together so they could send those presents to to somebody in Guatemala so they can know God. That's, wow. Is that not holy? Amen. So, I'm going to close. On time, Pastor Steve, just about. Am I I late? Sorry. If I kept you here, I'm sorry. If I bored you, I'm sorry. But you know what? God loves you. And seek that relationship first. And let's love. Let love be genuine with one another. And the rest of this nightmare that we have outside these walls will go away, hopefully, or it'll get so bad, God will come back. Amen? (laughs) Thank you. Father, thank you so much for the love. Thank you for desiring and wanting a relationship with us, with me. And I pray, Lord, that you continue to show me how to do that. Continue to show us, Lord, how to walk in your ways and your will. Show us how to focus on you, focus on grace. What does it mean to us, Lord? Help us to see that. Help us to grow in you, Lord Jesus. And I I do pray for all of us that that we want to be entangled in a relationship with you so much that no one sees us anymore, that it's all about you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.